Hi, this is Sean Prokes, Senior Racket Specialist at the Racket Bar at the USCA National Campus, and you're listening to the PTM Podcast. Hi, and welcome to episode 27 of the PTM Podcast, powered by Racket Sports U. I'm your host, Chris Michalowski, a PTMer known as Coach Mick, broadcasting right here from warm and sunny Orlando, Florida. So why do people say that tennis is so hard to learn? Well, in today's episode, I'm going to tell you how I achieved 100%. Yes, I said 100% success with getting every new player I have ever worked with to hit a 20-ball rally over the net with me on their first day. Now, there are two secrets here, and one of them is you. So come on, make it easy for them. But first, let me tell you a quick story. It's story time with Coach Mick. All right, so one of my favorite activities out of tennis is fishing by far and when I go fishing I like to fly fish in the river and so I usually get there nice and early in the morning and just quiet it gives me a chance to come up with a lot of my ideas that I used to come up with at the club for programming for all kinds of stuff so anyway I live near some of the most amazing blue ribbon trout streams in the country up in northern Michigan and my favorite part of the year was during the salmon and the steelhead runs and when I go out it's customary to meet others I'll be standing there in the river and this guy to my right from Colorado this guy to my left from Montana and And one year, my coach and PTM director, he was interested in going fishing. And since I told him so many of my great fishing stories, right? But of course, I accepted his request. But now the pressure was definitely on me because one thing you don't want to do is take someone fishing and you don't catch any fish. I wanted to make sure he caught fish. So I told him that the third week in October was the best. It's usually the hottest week. Plus, a lot of the fishermen are now bow hunting. So there's not as much pressure in the river. So when he came out to the river that one day, I made sure he had the right equipment, the best flies that were catching fish at the time. I went to my favorite part of the stream, which was called Sawdust Hole, but don't tell anybody, it's my own little secret. And then I made sure we had a few refreshments in case we didn't catch any fish. And I even brought my portable gas grill with us to cook up some lunch. So whether we caught fish or not, it'd be a great day. And as I always say, a bad day fishing is a great day. Well, we caught some big salmon that day and we had an amazing time and a great lunch, and I could not have asked for a better trip to the stream. But guess what he would ask me for the next year on the phone almost every time I called him? Hey, Mick, when are we going fishing again? So the moral of the story was what? I took a novice salmon fisherman to the river, I made sure he had the equipment to make him successful. I made sure I put him in the best environment to make him successful. I coached him along the way, making sure he knew what to do to be successful. And the picture I took with him with that salmon was one I'll never forget. And guess what? He wanted more. And think about anything like photography, fishing, biking, camping, whatever you have an interest in. If you can have a great first experience, and this is the low-hanging fruit for like marketers and retail people because you'll buy whatever you need to keep that experience going, which leads us in to today's quick tip. And now today's quick tip on the PTM podcast. All right. So on the tennis court, today's quick tip is start with the contact point and progress backwards when working with a new player. And this way you can increase the chances of them being successful and coming back for more. Now you need to know your progressions for sure, which are basically the steps you might take from start to finish to hit a particular shot or ball over the net. So here's a little trick I like. And if you remember anything, remember this. And if you're working with a new player, especially they will become successful each week and that way you can back off to stay successful if need be. So if you read the progressions of let's say the forehand, they'll go something like this. You got your grip, 
your ready position, stance, footwork, backswing, forward swing to contact, follow through and finish. So those are the progressions you gotta run through. Now, if you look at this list, did you notice that there's six things you have to do before the student makes contact? So good luck with that. They gotta do six things right or close to right before they make contact. So what does the student really care about? They care about hitting that little ball over the net into that huge court. I mean, how easy should this be? Think about it as if it were an attraction at the fair. Like this past summer, I was in Traverse City, Michigan at Cherry Festival and was walking by the booths where everyone tries to call you over to, you know, throw the darts at the balloons or knock over the bowling pins or sink the basketball in a hoop that's probably only about a half inch wider than the whole ball itself. What if there was a booth like this? All right, step right up, step right up, and hit this 2.7-inch diameter ball into this huge 1,404-square-foot hole to win a prize. Just hold it and hit it. Who's got the guts to try? I bet if this was a booth, it would have a huge line, right? Well, this is exactly what tennis is. The ball's 2.7 inches wide, and the doubles court on one side of the net is 1,404 square feet. And when you say it this way, does it sound like tennis should be hard? Not at all. I mean, my first house, there was only 863 square feet. So come on, make it easy for them. If they are successful, they'll want to do it again. And if they're not, they might have second thoughts. So with Scott, I had lunch as a backup, but not so easy on the tennis court. So how about trying it in this order? How about grip, contact, and who knows, maybe a finish, maybe not. Now, I bet if you explained where they need to hit the ball or where they need to make contact and have them start exactly there and then just lift it over the net, you'd see a lot of success. Now, if you think about it, as tennis coaches, we find ourselves telling our students how to send the ball over the net all the time. The key to being successful, though, starts with how we receive the ball. Think about my carnival example. If you have the ball in your hand, you're in total control of how to start. But when you're playing tennis, you have an opponent sending the ball over the net to you. So you want to make sure you're receiving the ball as similarly as you were when you were holding it just to drop it over the net. Try to visualize this if you can. All right, what I mean by this is that here's how I would do it. Is that when I talk to students about this, the first thing I have them do is turn somewhat sideways and just catch the ball in their dominant hand, let's say we're working on a forehand, that I toss or feed over the net to them. Now you will see that when we do this, they do not take their hand back first. If they try to take their hand back and then go forward to catch it, you're gonna see they're gonna miss a lot of balls. They will just usually put their hand behind where they think the ball's gonna be when they catch it. This means if I feed them a high ball, they put their hand up high to catch it. If I feed them a low ball, they put their hand down low to catch it. If I feed it somewhere in the middle, they put their hand somewhere in the middle to catch it. And the closer their hand is to the ball, the more success they're gonna have catching it. The more they have to move their hand to go catch it, it'll be more difficult to catch because it takes more timing. The next step is to have the student hold the racket with the proper grip and have them just stop the ball on their strings just like they did with their hand. I usually say something like, hey, if you hit the ball over the net successfully, it's 100 push-ups, ha, 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 because again, that's what they're trying to do, so they're gonna tend to wanna take a swing, but you don't want them to do this. This just works on the proper grip and how to track a ball that's approaching them, which is the important part, receiving the ball. Now, the next step is to have them do the same exact thing, but instead of letting the ball drop off the racket, just lift the ball up over the net and finish, or maybe not. And if you wanna get technical in the finish, you can, but there's no need to here. What you will find is that the player does not take their racket back, but just waits for the ball to come to them, which is important, especially when it comes to balance, okay? So just wait for the ball. And the racket 
and the ball stay close. And there's limited distance between the racket and the tennis ball prior to contact, which we said is better. So think about a player that takes their racket way back. They had to move their racket forward, so they're already committed to their swing. And hopefully that swing is going to run in direct line to where the ball is going in the other direction. And they're both going to meet at that precise point, and that is called contact. Yeah, good luck with a new player with that. Now, I said earlier that one of the secrets is you. And it is because to make 20 balls, you're going to have to make sure that you hit that orange ball or green ball or foam ball, whatever it is to them in a manner to which they can receive it as easily as possible. Now, if you put heavy topspin on the ball, it's going to make it more difficult for them. And they don't have to do a whole lot to hit the ball over the net either. I promise you, go stand in front of any wall and hit a ball at the wall. The wall does nothing, but I bet the ball's going to come back at you because the wall's making basically perfect contact every time with your shot because there's no timing involved. It's just perfect. Too many players think they have to take a huge stroke to make the ball go over the net, and they don't have to do this at all. Now, once they understand this concept, you can start adding in the other progressions, but the great thing about it here is if they're having issues, they can always regress back to where they know they can be confident and successful. And it's even more so on the serve. Think about the serve. Start with the contact and then work your way backwards because the contact's almost the last thing on the serve right. So then once you get contact down, add in some wrist, then add in some of the forearm, then add in some of the shoulder, then add in some of the trunk, then some of the legs and so on. And the great part is like we talked about in episode 26 is they can go until they find it difficult. That is where they need to train or back off one more step just to ensure success. And all this means is they will probably be coming back for more. All right, so bottom line is with new players, start your progressions with contact and work your way to a complete stroke, or you may be losing a lot of potential players. Well, that wraps it up for episode 27 of the PTM Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. And remember, give your new players success right from the start to keep them coming back for more. Well, are you interested in a career in tennis or you know someone who is? Or maybe you want to start a PTM program in your own area. Either way, go to ptmprograms.com and RSU will get you started. And don't forget, there's a huge need for quality coaches and RSU wants to meet you right where you're at and help you reach your destination in the racket sports industry. And as always, if you know someone who may benefit from the podcast, please share it with them and thank you in advance for your support. Well, I'm Coach Mick and I want to thank you for listening and I hope you'll join me again for the next episode of the PTM Podcast.